0: Hey everyone, this is Kendall from the Recording Lounge Podcast, and today I've got a really interesting episode that I think a lot of you will enjoy. And this is on the topic of harsh harmonics on guitars, electric guitars, especially when dealing with high gain. Um, This is something very near and dear to me, something that I have struggled with a lot in my career. I have tried all kinds of things to mitigate some of it. And I think there's going to be a lot of great tips in here for those of you that are really sensitive to those harsh harmonics and struggle to get guitar tones that aren't just constantly harsh or spiky or peaky in the high mids. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, uh, I got an email from a podcast listener that says, I've been recording uh, guitars recently in my new home studio setup. I've been recording shoegazy fuzz guitar, and I've gotten decent workable tones, but I find it hard to get rid of ice pick harshness from the amps without the tone getting muddy. I have a Supro Royal Reverb 2x10 combo and a Vox AC15. I've tried different mics and mic positions, but I'm talking about the tone coming right from the speakers, adjusting before the mic. I've tried a few different guitars, pickups, some nice fuzz pedals, but I still get this harsh result a lot of the time. My question is, how do you usually go about recording fuzz or heavy distortion? Do you find that you usually need something like a Marshall with a 412 closed back cabinet to pull off the sound? I'm sure it'd make make it a lot easier in a lot of cases, but I'm curious if you ever use smaller amps for heavier fuzz tones. Okay, so this is a great question because harshness and ice pick highs and high mids are something that drive me nuts. I have tried all kinds of things over the years to reduce those weird, harsh overtones that happen in the high mids. You know, this is such a great question. So, first and foremost, I think the biggest thing that I have found that affects the ice pick highs and high mids is the guitar and the speaker itself. Um, There are some speakers, like a Celestian Vintage 30, that kind of always have a constant high-mid spike. No matter what chord you're playing, no matter what key it's in, there's like a whoosh, like a harshness that just kind of exists underneath the tone. Other speakers, like a Weber Silverbell or um, some of the Hemp Cone speakers like the Cannabis Rex from Eminence, these are really dark and have muted high-mid overtones. Now, The problem with that is you don't want something that's dark and dull, just like you don't want something that's just filtered. You still want clarity. You just don't want harshness, right? Now, I have had incredible luck with warehouse speakers in my career. Um, I got turned on to these speakers about 10 years ago, and I use them all the time. So I love the Warehouse Veteran 30. I love the Warehouse Retro 30. Um, Those are my two favorite speakers, and my favorite recording cabinet has one of each. The Veteran 30 is a little bit flatter and fatter, uh, maybe a little bit better for clean tones or in open back cabinets that don't have as much low end. The Retro 30 is a little bit tighter and brighter and seems to work a little better for drive tones or, uh, you know, close back cabinets. Um, In my experience, the speakers that work best are bright but not harsh. And that is something that you really have to search for. This allows you to set the amp a little bit darker or a little bit less drivey. Um, and still get clarity out of it. Okay. I don't think the solution is a dark speaker all the time. Sometimes it really is helpful, but you know, keep in mind the amp is what's generating a lot of that distortion. The speaker is just a small part of that. So a lot of those harsh harmonics are exacerbated by the amp. So if you can make the amp slightly darker and then use a brighter speaker, especially a higher wattage speaker that doesn't add a whole lot of additional distortion. It does, but just a little bit. Anyway, my point is, a brighter speaker that is not harsh is generally something I have had good luck with. Plus, a brighter speaker adds no additional noise to the rig, but a bright amp will. So the guitar itself, um, I find that when the action is too low, if the string gauge is too low, if the strings are like brand spanking new, like you just put them on two minutes ago, uh, or it's being played too hard, you'll get this sort of thing called fret crash, which is when the string clacks against the frets above the one that you're playing, and you'll get buzz, you'll get weird harmonics excited, you'll get harshness, you'll get this kind of like ringing thing that happens. Really the only solution here is to either raise your action, use a slightly thicker string gauge, or to add a little bit more relief into your neck by loosening your truss rod just a hair. It doesn't take a whole lot. Um, That will put a little bit of upbow in your neck, meaning the neck in the middle is bowed away from the strings, so you have a little bit more play there. I haven't had a ton of luck changing out pickups to cure this issue. I find that most pickups just kind of have it, and maybe it's just my preference in pickups or whatever, but uh, the podcast listener who emailed me said the same thing. Uh, He's tried changing pickups and things like that. I've also found that certain picks or certain techniques of how you pick will affect the brightness for sure. Um, even on electric, I mean, it makes a big difference. I think a lot of times you just people are just playing way too hard for their setup. You know, if you if you're a hard player with your right hand or with your f- strumming hand, you may need to get a slightly thicker string gauge or raise your action a little bit so you don't get that sloppy kind of stringy, uh, messy sound. Now, there is a little bit of that that is totally permissible. In fact, like on a Strat or a Jazzmaster, it's kind of part of the sound to have a little bit of fret clash, but uh, or fret crash, depending on who you ask. Um, but it's, you know, too much is, is a bad thing. So, the guitar and the speaker are two of the biggest things in this regard. Because, again, if you have a different speaker and a different guitar setup, it will totally affect how the amp distorts, or how you hear the amp distortion. And so... The next part of this is the cabinet. Now, the cabinet and the speaker have a really symbiotic relationship, and I find that the cab will make a big difference, too. I found, in general, that open back cabinets tend to suffer from this a little bit more for whatever reason— And closed back cabinets suffer a little bit less from this, especially if it's a large cabinet like a big 212 or a 412. And it suffers even less so if you have a little bit of absorption material in there. Some makers, I think Bogner does that, where they put this like acoustic stuffing like cotton. It's almost like a uh, like a cotton ball, but a big bat of it. Uh, And if that's inside of the cabinet, it will reduce some of those harsh harmonics as well. So, for big distortion tones, I have found there's almost nothing better, especially when we're talking about rhythm, um, than a closed back cabinet. I, I just, I've not had good luck with open back cabinets and big rhythms. With leads, it's a little different. Um, they seem to be a little more forgiving when you're playing. You know, maybe it's just that you're playing fewer notes or something. You know what I mean? Um, but open back cabinets can work great for cleans. They can work great for low gains. They can work great for you know leads. But for big chunky rhythms, anything high gain, uh, man, I just really prefer closed back cabinets, two twelve or four twelve. Now, to answer the other question about amp size, like, do I use big amps, small amps? I use both. I mean, I use big amps a lot. I use small amps a lot. And I use them for both high gain and low gain. But I rarely use small cabinets. You know, I rarely use, like, a little 110 or something. Um, I mean, sometimes I will, I guess. But usually, my default for high gain is whatever amp sounds cool into a 212 or a 412, every now and then a 112, but it's usually still closed. I don't know exactly why that is, but I've tried tons of combinations. I mean, I think I figured it out at one point in my studio, the number of amps that I have and the number of cabinets that I have. There's like 100,000 possible combinations of, you know what I mean, it's silly, it's just ridiculous and I've tried so many of them. I mean, I've I've got all my amps on an amp patch bay that I built so I can plug in any amp to any cabinet. And ever since I got the Fryette power station that also allows me to plug any mismatched impedance into another cabinet. So I could plug a 16 ohm head into a 4 ohm cabinet by going through the Fryet Um, Now, you can't do that normally, right? You're supposed to match or the cabinet can be larger but not smaller. Anyway, so in terms of mics, I have found that if you put a microphone in the absolute dead center of the speaker, while that does have the best articulation and dynamic response, it tends to have a little bit more of that harshness. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, edge of the dust cap is such a popular place to put the mic, because it does smooth out just a little bit of that, um, you know, that harshness at the cost of some uh, articulation. Now, that's the price we pay. It's a trade-off that we make, but in a lot of cases, it's worth it. My technique for kind of dealing with this is that I often will put a ribbon and a dynamic on a guitar amp, and often I put the ribbon in the center. So the darker mic gets you know uh, right in the center where it's harsher but good articulation and the brighter mic gets just off center right next to the ribbon uh, which calms down a little bit of that harshness and um, you know but still has quite a bit of good articulation and brightness now sometimes if you are really clever and careful you can kind of get the harmonics to like cancel each other out in a weird way like i have i've had some luck putting Two microphones, one on either side of the dust cap, like a ribbon on one side of the dust cap, uh, you know, edge of edge of the dust cap and then a 57 on the edge of the dust cap. And something about that can sometimes cancel that out a little bit. Not exactly, but I don't know what it is, but I have had some luck with that. I have also had luck with using brighter ribbon mics like a biodynamic m160 or an aea n22 as opposed to the 57 like sometimes if there's just nothing i can do to to tame some of those harmonics a ribbon mic just naturally seems to to do that um but a ribbon mic you don't want it super dark right so using some brighter ribbons can can help with that as well now sometimes it's just the overall amp pedal guitar combination and you need to find a different one you know certain pedals I love how they sound, but they're just harsher. You know, um, it can, some fuzz pedals, especially like the Zvex Fuzz Factory, I love that pedal. It's amazing. There's no other pedal I know of that really sounds like that, but it's pretty aggressive and can be very harsh in a lot of situations. So, same with a Big Muff Pie. Um, those pedals are awesome, but depending on how they're set, they can be really, really harsh. Uh, other pedals, like the Dr. Scientist Frazz Dazzler, Really amazing fuzz pedals. um, It doesn't ever seem to get harsh or piercing. I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, The Screddy P19 is another great fuzz pedal that just doesn't get harsh to me. Now, all of that being said, those harsh harmonics are kind of just a part of guitar. Like, you can't always get rid of all of them, you know? Like, you will still probably have to pull some of them out in the mix every now and then. Now, there are two ways that I do this. One is by using like FabFilter Pro Q3 to pull out narrow resonances, and another is by using Oak Sounds Soothe, uh, or technically Soothe 2. Both of those plugins are amazing, and they each do a slightly different thing. So if, if the harshness or the harmonic that you're hearing does not change with the chord, meaning it's always present, no matter if you're playing a G, a C, a D, whatever, then I use FabFilter Pro Q3. I pull out that resonance very narrowly. And you can't pull it out completely, I have found. Like if you pull it down 40 dB or whatever, it, it starts to comb filter in a weird way and your highs start to sound weird. But if you pull it out, say, 10 dB, it's enough to not really hear it but it's not enough to make your high mids start to sound weird. I think that's a common mistake that people make when pulling out harmonics on cymbals or guitars or vocals is they try to pull out too much. You need to pull it out really narrow, uh, the cue generally all the way up, and you need to pull it out just enough to where you can't hear it. Don't try to totally remove it. Now, Soothe is an amazing plugin that has solved a lot of woes in my life. Um, It is essentially an intelligent harmonic uh, detection tool that automatically will dip harmonics and harshness in the high mids um, based on how loud they're coming through. If I had to guess of how Soothe is doing this, to me it's like it's detecting the narrowness and pureness of a single frequency and dipping it down as needed. So, you know, if you've got like 1K that is ringing exactly at 1K, and it's ringing very narrowly. It's not like, you know, 990 to, one, you know, 1010. It's like 1K. It detects those somehow and then compensates for how loud they are. And this plugin is pretty deep. You have to work with it a little bit. You have to adjust the attack and release. You have to adjust the amount and be really careful about how much you pull out because just like any other processor, Too much is not going to be a good thing. It's going to totally neuter your high mids. And that's kind of the classic problem that we have with like high mids and low mids. It's like if you remove all of them, it sounds terrible. But if you let them be, it sounds terrible. There's this very sensitive relationship there where you have to have enough so that it gets across, but you can't have too much or it sounds muddy or it sounds harsh. Now, one more thing I thought I would mention, and that is that a lot of times people add way too much gain to their guitars. And I've gotten criticized for making this comment before, and I'm not saying that, like, metal guitars are too gainy and I'm shaking a cane at the kids on the street. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not—it's not like that. I'm saying, like, if you really listen to a lot of great, like, fuzz or metal tones— it's not dimed gain, okay? There's a sweet spot for every amp where you set the gain, or or pedal, where you set the gain where it's just enough. But if you go past that point, you'll lose articulation, you'll lose uh, punch from the guitar because it's just clipping, it's just flattening it into this single waveform with no punch or articulation. Uh, The first time I worked with a metal producer that has some pretty big credits to his name. I was so shocked at how not gainy the guitars were. I mean, they definitely were gainy, but way less than I thought. But he taught me that as you have multiple guitars, you know, layered, a left and a right, and you have bass, that creates this illusion that there's way more gain than there is. And because you were able to back off the gain just a little, you now have more punch and articulation and clarity to your guitars and less harshness because you have dialed back some of that gain. Now, again, there's a very narrow sweet spot where you don't have the gain high enough, then it doesn't sound like the correct genre of guitar you know but if you have the gain too high it flattens the sound and kills all the dynamics okay that's a really really hard thing to find but you will find it okay one of the tricks that i do for this especially for high gain guitars is turn the gain all the way off and then play palm mutes like and bring up the gain just until those sound good okay if you go a little bit too high, those palm mutes will still sound good, but your you know big punchy chords will not. Okay, but if you find that sweet spot right where the palm mutes start to sound acceptable, uh, then it will generally be enough. So I, I highly recommend backing off your guitar gain just a little bit more than you think you can stand. You can always add a little bit of compression to the guitars later if you need more sustain. Um, That's something that Eddie Van Halen talked about a lot. It's like what really people are looking for is not necessarily gain, it's sustain. um, And people are looking to get this big, full, evened out sound. But that doesn't mean it has to come from gain. Gain is one way that you can do that. But it's not always the way to do it. Sometimes you need a compressor pedal. That's one of my favorite ways to do that on clean guitars. Because a lot of times when you set the amp clean enough, there's no sustain. And there's this war that you trade off between of like sustain versus gain. And you set the the amp a little bit higher so you have that sustain, but then it breaks up too much. So the solution is to set the amp cleaner and use a compressor pedal to make up that lost sustain and body. That way it sounds like the amp is generating that sustain and you're getting that creamy tone that we like, but it's not. It's the pedal actually helping some of that. And you have to be really careful with what pedals you use because compressor pedals can be really, really obvious and sound like chicken pickin' and that's not always what we want. Uh, My favorite compressor pedal in that situation is a Wampler Ego compressor. I've used those for over 10 years and I love them they're amazing they they're a parallel compressor so you can blend in some sustain essentially with your tone and not kill your attack not make it sound like chicken pickin in fact it's kind of a terrible compressor for chicken pickin to be honest it, it doesn't really do that thing if you're looking for that you need to go for like a Ross compressor or an MXR Dynacomp or something like that now one final word about amp settings a lot of amps, marshals, a lot of fenders, a lot of things, have a bright cap, a bright capacitor that is tied to the preamp volume or the gain pot. And as you turn that down, you hear more and more of that capacitor, which will add brightness. As you turn the gain up, that capacitor has less of an effect. So sometimes what needs to happen is you need to turn the gain down a little and then darken the amp slightly to compensate for that. Um, Maybe you don't need to darken it, but I'm just saying that is something you have to be aware of. Another thing is that people often are afraid to set their amps really loudly. A lot of times people are recording at home, things like that, and... I gotta say that when you set an amp loudly, it often mellows out a lot of those harmonics. I find I find that it sounds fuller, it has more sustain, it's more rich, it's got more mid-range, and a lot of that harshness kind of goes away. I find on amps with a master volume, when you start turning that master volume down, the amp gets a little bit more scooped. So it's got less mid-range, it's got more subbiness, and it's got more fizziness. And that's one of the reasons a lot of purists don't like master volumes is they do kind of mess with the sound of the amp. Um, A lot of like classic players play old 100 watt marshals that didn't have a master volume. And that's why it's not because they just want it loud or they can't hear anymore. It's because it does change the tone. Um, A lot of fenders don't have master volumes for this reason because uh, Leo didn't think it sounded good. You know, an offender's already a scooped amp, and if you were to turn that down even more, it would get even more scooped. Now, again, I want to be very clear: not every amp is like this. Not every amp has a certain master volume that's going to do this. Not every amp has a bright cap on the preamp volume. Some amps have a switchable bright cap, right? So there's always that to consider. But just keep in mind, the bright cap is a really significant part of the way the amp sounds. Um, it's one of the most drastic things that can be done into an amp to change its top-end character. Uh, I've modded many of my amps, I've done a lot of repairs and changes, and uh, it's such a drastic thing, especially when we're talking about high gain. Um, You know, if the bright cap is clipped out of a Marshall, it sounds like a totally different amp, especially if you set that gain anywhere below one o'clock. It can really drastically change the sound of the amp. So, I just wanted to bring that up as something to keep in mind. As you change the settings on your amp, it's not just a pure, you know, oh, this is adding treble or removing treble or this is turning up gain. A lot of things are at play. A lot of interplay is happening inside of that circuit, and it can get really complicated. So, I hope these tips have been helpful. I hope you consider trying some of these things. And in fact, I hope you consider viewing this as an entire chain and maybe not trying to do a lot in one single area, but try doing a little bit in multiple areas. You know, maybe raise the action on your guitar a little bit, maybe go up a string gauge, maybe add a little bit more relief on the neck, change the speaker in your amp. Turn down the gain just a little bit. You know, try a little bit of all of these and see what works. I, I, I can guarantee that if you try these little by little and try to find the areas that have the most effect and try to find the areas that don't really change it very much, I promise you, you will get results. This is something that I have dealt with my entire career. It has always drive me crazy. Um, many audio engineers out there, myself included, are really sensitive to those harsh hi- harmonics, and they come from a lot of different places. You know, um, Many of us experience them on vocals, and a lot of that is just the shape of that person's neck, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> how their throat sounds, you know, like it- it's-, it's how their nose sounds. It's how their overall voice comes out of their face like it's not something we can really change Um, but we can adjust mic position we can try to find a mic that is less harsh we can make sure and not use a preamp that is exacerbating the problems in the high mids and we can use fab filter pro q3 or soothe to help reduce some of those things further again think about it as an entire chain when you're diagnosing problems like this try to look at every piece and think okay this is in the chain. Is there anything I can do in that regard? This is in the chain. You know, don't try to just be like, where's it coming from? How do I fix it? You know, like really break it down into piece by piece and see where is that problem coming from. And if it's coming a little bit from a lot of places, what can I do in each of those places? All right, so you know the drill. If you have a question, a comment, an episode suggestion, you're struggling with something, anything, send me an email at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to check out the website, recordingloungepodcast.com, and the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash recordinglounge. If this podcast has been helpful for you and you'd love to see it keep going, one of the best ways that you can do that is to support us on Patreon Patreon is a great service that allows you to set a donation based on the content that I come out with. So you can say, you know, give me a dollar for every episode that Recording Lounge comes out with. It won't just take it out of your account every month. It will only do it when I put out content. So it's a good way to keep me in check Uh, to keep producing content. And it's a great way for you to help me offset the costs of this podcast, the time it takes to make it and edit it, the hosting charge for the website, the hosting charge for all the podcast episodes, all of that stuff. It takes a lot of time, a lot of money. And uh, up until the last couple of years, I haven't really made any money on the podcast. But thanks to my Patreon supporters, this podcast can be much more self-sustaining now. If you've been wondering why I've been able to do two episodes a month instead of just one or one every other month, it's pretty much all thanks to my Patreon supporters and my PayPal donations from you. So I greatly appreciate all of those who have been involved in that. Another really cool thing with Patreon, however, is that if you are signed up as a Patreon supporter, then you get access to a private RSS stream that is Recording Lounge Quick Tips. So these are like five or ten minute episodes generally that have uh, cool little quick tips about things I'm thinking about that day, or somebody sends me a question and it's a quick answer. It's not enough to really make a full podcast episode about, but it is something I can talk about and help give back as a thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. So if you go over there and sign up, you can get access to that too. For all of you out there listening to this, I hope you have a great week. Uh, I hope you have a great month. And I will talk to you very soon. I've got more episodes on the way, some really cool topics that I've been wanting to cover for quite a long time. And I've got some exciting things in the works this year for my studio and for the, the podcast. So um, I hope all of you stick around. Thank you all for your support. And we'll talk to you soon.